0: in the lab late one night, when my eyes beheld an eerie sight, for my monster from his slab began to rise. And suddenly, to my surprise, he did the,
1: he did the monster man. This, this week on Plot, Plot Points Podcast is our Halloween spectacular. Witches and ghouls and zombies. Oh my This is Plot Points Podcast. Hi, this is Mark from Plot Points Podcast. Uh, I am here with some great co-hosts, uh, Chris Styers. How are you, Chris?
2: I'm doing fine.
3: How are you?
1: I'm good. Thank you. Uh, we're uh, Chris and I are joined by Bruce Kazra. Bruce, how are you today?
3: How are you doing, Mark? Good to be here. I'm yeah, doing well. Thank,
1: thank you. Thank you. And uh, the inimitable Derek Nguyen, how are you? <laughs> doing great.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's been. I think it's been a really solid week. Uh, I'm doing well in fantasy football, and uh, honestly, that's what's making me <laughs> happier more than anything.
1: Who's your star in fantasy football? Who's who's the guy that's uh, giving you the most joy?
3: Oh, right now, it would have to be Alvin Kamara, who's a receiver on the New Orleans Saints. That oh. man is a point scoring machine, and he's the only reason why I can gloat every week and <laughs> <laughs> against people that I'm definitely not qualified to play. <laughs>
1: yeah well he's on the other end of that is uh is uh, drew Brees, so uh i have him as
3: well i have him as well that's a really yeah. good combo for me
1: yeah <laughs> and uh, congratulations to the los angeles dodgers for uh for being in the world series for
0: uh, yeah. they,
1: last night uh and also there was some there's just been some great sports this week uh so I wish I had a sports podcast we could talk about it, but we don't we're screenwriters, so damn it so let's <laughs> Um, so this, w- this week we're, we're a little bit before Halloween when we're recording this, but by the time this drops, it'll be pretty close. So this is our Halloween, uh, spec spooktacular. Okay. So in this <laughs> here, I'm going to insert, uh, weird, uh, noises and stuff, but you guys can make like spooky noises if you want.
0: <laughs> All right. Mark, I saw what you did last night by yourself. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You know, I keep getting uh I keep getting uh, an email from from somebody who said they hacked one of my email accounts. It says that exact same thing. Is that you, Bruce? Are you doing that?
3: Uh, I can neither confirm nor deny any <laughs> actions that you say have, have taken place.
1: Yeah, they said they turned on my webcam and watched me do bad things to porn sites so.
3: That that was me actually. That, yeah, that, that sounds about right,
1: yeah. Isn't that that's your porn, right? That's, that's
3: my what? porn. That's the really just watching you is what, is, is what gets me going every time. Thank you. Oh, I appreciate it, Mark.
1: <laughs> Thanks. Thank God I'm with four three other perverts. So <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, all right. So um let's talk a little bit about what are we watching and then um we'll go into I have a little essay on horror movie history and then we're going to do a top 5 horror Halloween films and why. Um and then we'll see how how the rest of it goes, but um so are you guys watching anything of interest this week or or have you been um any, anything that that stands out you want to talk about?
2: Uh, I just started the Netflix series "Medicine Mother," uh, "Masters of, Fi- of Florence." Oh, it's okay. a Netflix series. I got attracted to it because Dustin Hoffman and uh, Richard Madden, oh who yeah, played, who played Rob Stark in Game of Thrones,
0: mm-hmm.
2: are the leads in it. And then when I was checking it out before I turned it on, I saw that it was created by screenwriter, author uh, Nicholas Meyer, and mm. screenwriter Frank Spotnitz.
1: Spotnitz, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm.
2: Oh, he did like 48 X Files
0: episodes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I he's, mean, he's so
2: that intrigued me, and in the fact that it was a historical thing. And the first episode's going to have me watching the
1: second. Hmm. Okay. Uh you guys hey, so have any of you <clears throat> excuse me, have any of you seen all the, the shows that Netflix is canceling, by the way, like Luke Cage, uh Iron Fist.
3: Uh Luke Cage I was surprised about though. That was I thought that was a very good show. Um yeah. the I would say the obviously it had the uh, uh the the sort the format of a superhero story and it was very uh it's kind of obvious. It was a lot of the stuff was uh, pretty much a cliche (laughs) that's happening a lot of the time. But I think that uh, as far as like character development goes, Luke Cage was a solid show. I know that one was a bit of a surprise, but I agree. uh,
1: um, Right. Yeah. Iron fist. I thought iron fist was, couldn't figure out what it wanted to be. exactly, And so um, I I liked a lot of what they tried to do, um, but it didn't seem like it ever. And I don't know, you know, we, we tend to sometimes blame the writer on, on shows like that, but, the, the problems are, you know, the whole production has a uh, shared responsibility for a show that can't seem to find its footing. Uh, so, um, uh, but I mean, there's other things like, um, like, uh, Rose, well, not Roseanne, that's not a Netflix show, but, um, obviously that was canceled because of something else, but Mr. Robot's going to end the big bang theory after 12 seasons. Uh, wow. That's a, that's pretty amazing. That's awesome. Uh, there's uh there's one called, I love Dick which is an Amazon show. <laughs> <laughs> and uh I mean there's just a ton. I think uh I, you know I think they just take a flyer on some of these shows, put them out there and hope that they fly. Um mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Oh, Robot
4: is ending because they planned it from the very beginning to be four seasons. Oh okay,
1: that's good. Well, he's going to be the thing it's ending in a way. Yeah, no you're right. I I mean four seasons you can't ask for anything more. Uh <clears throat> Orange is the new black. Um 7 seasons. I I couldn't believe 7 seasons already. Wow.
3: Has anyone seen uh Ozark the new season?
1: No. No, you know, I I got to get back into that show. I got to pick it up. I I'm only on episode 2, so I got to pick it up and and go why did did what is it rocking?
3: It, it it was rocking. I would say season 1 uh the I I kind of know what you mean. It does slow down a little bit in pace cuz the, in the beginning of the show they're in Chicago. It's a lot more fast paced and then The whole point of the whole premise, the whole actual uh, story, sets place in uh, in the Ozarks, in like the Mm -hmm. mountains, in the rural area. And the the whole, I feel like, in a way, the pace of the show sort of changes just because the characters change so drastically. The the season one was very rocking. It was it was very exciting. It was very fast paced. It was one of those shows where it had so many subplots. Uh, and eventually all of those, and little little things that you wouldn't think about would affect the main storyline, ended up affecting the storyline in a mm. very big way. So I thought that was really exciting. And, and season two really just picked up right where season one ended. So it was, uh, it was really rocking all the way through. And I, I kind of wish I could watch it again.
1: Mm, so well, that's a sign of a good show is when you when you hate leaving it and wish you could have either more of it or watch it again so
3: yeah definitely and then if i can if I give one more show if there's time, uh the marvelous Mrs. Maisel on Amazon was oh, yeah. one of yes. one of my favorite shows as well i I really enjoyed it I was surprised I didn't think I would like it based on the premise and it was kind of like a mad men era uh story about um, a woman who wants to become a, a comedian, mm-hmm. but honestly, I thought it was it was lovely, and the characters were so likable and uh, I thought Tony Shaloub was was really great in it as well.
1: He's great in anything. I, I, so uh, true. Tremendous actor. So, mm-hmm. um, Derek, uh, you watching it? Anything? Uh, you, anything you want to talk about?
4: Yeah, I just saw two movies in the theater yesterday. I oh. saw um, the Sisters Brothers. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, with jo- jo- Joaquin Phoenix, John C. Riley, mm-hmm. Jake Gyllenhaal, and Riz Ahmed. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a, I mean, it's based off a novel. I haven't read the novel. Mm-hmm. I can tell that it's based off a novel, though. Um, Why? I thought the writing was pretty good. Like, it was more of a, like, atmospheric Western film, a slow burn, too.
0: hmm
4: Kind of, um, it wasn't, you know, the typical thriller or the typical, like, super driven uh, storyline. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of it was just kind of being immersed into that. 1850s, uh, Western world.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, but I thought, I thought it was a great movie, had really good acting, had really had pretty solid writing, had a lot of good individual scenes, that stitched together. Um, so I liked that movie. Um, really? I, am also a huge fan of Westerns and impartial towards them. So maybe I'm biased. Oh,
1: really? I didn't know that about you. That's yeah,
4: cool. I, I love Westerns. They're great. Um, I also watched the bad times at the El Royale. Hmm which uh, which I've heard a lot of people say that it was a wannabe um, T- Tarantino film. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least that's what my parents said after they walked out of the theater. Um, when I watched it, though, I thought that it's like two hours and a half long, and there's, I think, I forget, like six or seven main characters throughout so like the whole entire thing. Uh-huh. And it just goes on and on for a very, very long time, and like while like they do subvert uh, a lot of expectations with every single character, which is kind of cool um it just it just goes on for so long. Mm. I remember being exhausted, and it was the second movie <laughs> of that day, but I remember being <laughs> exhausted in the uh third act, that being said. Um, great performances, and, again, like, great individual scenes that I can imagine if I was an actor. And, you know, this this is huge, I guess, when uh, when you're writing. Like, you need to write in order to make your actors look good. Right. You know? And the screenplay had a lot of scenes where I can imagine an actor just thinking, like, damn, I can't wait to do that scene.
1: Or, oh, yeah.
4: that scene. You know, which – so it doesn't surprise me that I see all over the news – about that movie that um, that a lot of the actors took, took uh, big pay cuts for the film.
1: Oh, well, this sounds like I'm looking at one of the reviews. Of, it's Jeffrey Anderson from common sense media. It sounds like he's right down the line with your, uh, with your concept of what the film is about. It says part Agatha Christie, part Quentin Tarantino, this multi-character crime chamber piece is too long with too many stops and starts, but it has enough inspired moments to make it worth a look.
4: Oh, that sounds like almost exactly what I thought.
1: I know, and that—that's uh, pretty
4: cool. You, know, th- you know, I was actually thinking uh, Agatha Christie a little bit because it's all in one location. Yeah, was put into one location. I thought of the you know the Murder in the Orient Express for a second when I was watching
1: it. Well, yeah, that's a, it's a it's a chamber what they call a chamber chamber story or a chamber thriller or um, what else do they call them drawing drawing room mysteries where everything takes place in all right um i'm not watching too much to tell you the truth i'm i'm still kind of hooked into west wing and uh, i haven't, i haven 't really watched anything new uh this week i've just been so busy uh in fact i hadn't i didn't watch any i didn't turn on the t v at all yesterday so uh i've been and the other thing is during football season i'm i'm way too immersed in football
3: it keeps you busy for sure oh, man
1: especially college football holy crap was that a great i mean I, you know, I don't know if anybody saw Ohio State and uh, Purdue, but my lord, they Purdue, which was ranked number sixty-seven, took down Ohio State, which was ranked number two. It was an incredible game, and so so that's what I'm watching is football. But uh, and then Fridays are yeah, so Fridays are high school football, Saturdays are college football, and Sundays are the pros. So I don't have much much weekend except for that. You,
3: you have a packed schedule, is what it sounds like. That's what I'm
1: saying. Yeah. all right um i 'm going to skip forward to the Halloween themes. Um, I want to talk about whatever we 're working on maybe later, but um I want to read I, I wrote a little essay on the his- a brief history of horror, and then that'll segue us into what I gave you guys as an assignment this week, which was uh, I'm sure on all of our minds is our, our top horror films. I'll, I'll say this later. I, I I was kind of surprised to find out that both Derek and, and Bruce, neither one of you are that much of horror fans, which I would have thought based on some of the recommendations you've given me for movies that you would be, but um, we can talk about that in a little bit. So so uh, horror, of course, predates written history. Shaman told stories of ghost goblins and gremlins around campfires. The stories were primarily designed to teach life lessons on acting badly and the consequences to be dealt with when you do. But at their dark core, they told a deeper, more unsettling truth. We have no control over our lives. That message fitted nicely into another art form, movies. Cinema-wise, the first horror film was by Georges Méliès. Méliès was a French illusionist and film director. He's credited with many technical developments in the nascent days of cinema including special effects, substitution splices, multiple exposures, time-lapse photography, dissolves in hand-painted color. He was also one of the first filmmakers to use storyboards. Uh, you might remember his uh, one film, uh, A Trip to the Moon. It's that famous picture with the moon with the rocket in its eye. That's his. Yes. That was done in 1902. Oh, my God. Um, in the mid 1890s, cinema was brand new, and Méliès created the first ever horror movie in 1896. Just a few years later, it's a fascinating piece of film history. You can find it on YouTube, and I'll leave a link in the show notes. It's called *The Haunted Castle*. I mean, it was crude by any standard. It had bats, skeletons, ghosts, and the devil suddenly appearing from seemingly nowhere. But it basically started what's become a multi-billion-dollar industry. Many early horror films were adaptations of literature, Frankenstein, Dr. Jekyll, and Mr. Hyde, and The Werewolf, for example. It's reported that these films were first done by Edison Studios, yes, Thomas Edison, that Edison, but unfortunately we don't have copies of most of them any longer. One we still do have is Frankenstein from 1910, and you can see it on YouTube, and I will leave the links for that uh, in the show notes. Two movies that uh, of note that really started the ball rolling are *The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari* and *Nosferatu*. sonnet movies designed to really make people jump, and they did. It seemed like being scared was something that people could just not get enough of right from the start. When sound came in in the thirties, filmmaker, filmmaker, huh, filmmakers once again went to the classics for source material. With *Frankenstein* in 1931, *The Mummy* in 32. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, also 1931, The Invisible Man in 1933, and Phantom of the Opera. The movie Freaks in 1932 shocked people so much that it was cut down tremendously, basically ruining his punch. It was finally restored to its fullness and is more disturbing than than imagined. According to the New York Film Academy, the word horror was coined to describe this genre in the 30s, so you can see where a lot of these films started to really take over. Stars like Bela Lugosi, Lon Chaney, and Boris Karloff specialized in their roles as iconic horror villains. Lon Chaney's son, Lon Chaney Jr., wholly inhabited the role of the werewolf several decades after his father helped create the horror film industry. I think Chaney did seven universal picture werewolf movies and all. Um, he did, a, he did all, of the, uh, all of the universal pictures werewolf movies were, were with Lon Chaney Jr. Horror became a slam dunk at the box office. From the 30s on, the silver screen was drenched with blood and money. Directors like Hitchcock, Mario Bava, and Dario Argento, who are Italian filmmakers, took different tracks to horror, but they all ended in the same place, a dark road to terror in the form of monsters, both human and otherworldly. Wes Craven, John Carpenter, both of who wrote a lot of what they shot, James Whale, William Castle, George Romero, all legendary filmmakers who dwelt in the shadows and make us peek at the screen between clenched fingers. Horror is a supremely difficult genre to define. As I rediscovered when I sat down to write this piece, it certainly has grown to include many subgenres. There's slasher, supernatural, paranormal, which is not quite the same thing as supernatural, monster movies, and all manner of subgenres in between. I mean, is, is Seven a horror film? Is Jaws? Both bear a little resemblance to the classics like Frankenstein, and both can be considered in the genre of horror. Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Night of the Living Dead, The Exorcist, The Thing, Alien. These movies might be different, but they all share the same result, accomplish the same thing. They scare the bejesus out of us and make us uncomfortable to the point of distress. That's not even to mention horror comedy that was popularized by Abbott and Costello and The Three Stooges, most recently seen in Shaun of the Dead, Zombieland, Tremors, and the Academy Award-nominated Get Out. So, where do we even start? Well, I... No podcast, no article, no single entity could ever hope to cover the rich tapestry of horror. For every 10 movies someone mentions, there are 10 dozen more. And all these movies carry through the same thing that the shamans around the fire did. They teach us the consequences of acting badly and that our lives aren't, never have been, under our control. Safety is always an illusion in this world, and horror films push that in our face. But somehow living vicariously through a horror film makes us feel better or at least allows our fears to boil to the surface and be released. Maybe. So, kiddies, lock your doors, fire up the big screen, pull the covers over your head and peek between your fingers. All Hallow's Eve is upon us, and the monsters that can be imagined, all the dark places we know, every fear and anxiety we feel will be coming to a theater or streaming service near you. But you're safe, right? Wait, what's that sound? Happy Halloween. roll into your your top five horror films you want to do uh did you guys put them in order like five to one or no i i did no oh um,
3: no i did not I didn't.
1: bruce is too
4: good for us
3: <laughs> <laughs> i I'm, I'm a perfectionist when it comes to this stuff i like to put things in order but uh does anyone else want to go first or should i just start with go bruce? ahead okay well for number five and I should, I should preface by saying I'm not a huge horror movie buff, so these are the movies that, in my opinion, of the ones I've seen, are the best. So okay. feel free to uh, criticize or pick it apart. Number five, I put The Human Centipede. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, uh, mainly just because of originality. I thought it was uh, not necessarily one of the best horror movies that's been made, clearly, but there have been sequels, people have been interested in it, and it's one of those things that has been talked about in the zeitgeist mm. for a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would say it 's one of the the best bad horror movies that have ever been made um, okay. just and, and if people are still talking about it, about it to this day it, 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 as a result, I think it should be considered one of the top ones um, for number four. I put the Blair Witch Project, um, mm-hmm. obviously yeah. one of the most celebrated horror movies of all time um, not, uh, not only for being terrifying but also um, it was one of the cheapest war movies that ever it was ever been made. I think it, they made it for, uh, was it a few, a uh, hundred thousand dollars, something like that. And then it made millions of dollars in the end. So and I think it started the, uh, the found footage sub genre. Um, uh, yeah, which, which was so amazing now. you, you, you get to see so many amazing movies come out of that. And, uh, I think it really proved that the scariest thing is not necessarily what you can see, but it's what you can't see. And that's, uh, that was really interesting. um, for number three i put it uh both the uh old version and the new one that just came out this past year Mm -hmm. um i think the that that clown was one of the scariest things (laughs) that i'd ever seen as a kid and then i saw it again recently and i thought to myself i'm older now this is definitely not going to scare me and it terrified the bejesus (laughs) out of me still still just the same and i think everyone just likes uh like Kids' adventure stories, anything. It's kind of it sort of reminds me of Stand by Me, Gone Wrong. It's Mm, kind of the 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 um the tone of that film that I really enjoy, and and it really surprises you at the end. And the things that you think that wouldn't scare you or wouldn't be interesting ended up being the most interesting. Whether it be the clowns' antics or the way kids interact with each other or or with their parents, I just thought that was a great film. Um, for number two, I put uh, Wes Craven's Nightmare on Elm Street. I think it was Craven at his best. Um, that movie was iconic for many reasons and classic, re- yeah. absolute classic. Yeah. And, um, I think they're going to be showing it on repeat on Halloween night. And I think they do every year on, um, uh, was it TV land? I think they show it every year. Yeah. Perhaps um, perhaps. um, great film. Uh, love how scary it is. And I think just, uh, one of the most phenomenal horror movies of all time. Uh, and my number one, and this might be a controversial one I gave to the shining, uh, Stanley oh. Kubrick's is shining. Um, one of the reasons why obviously it was terrifying to watch and the book itself was, was such a great one. That was one of the few, a few, uh, movies that I've actually read the book previously for. And I thought the movie blew the book out of the water to a degree, just based on, um, some of the uh, artistic choices that Kubrick made, whether it be, um, uh, holding holding the camera on Jack Nicholson's face for five minutes and just told him, just telling him, just be scary, <laughs> honestly. And he has that kind of face to make it work. And I also thought that uh, the the making of the film was interesting because uh, Kubrick would be messing with um, uh, the actors, specifically the female actor. Uh, I, I forgot her name, but uh, uh, Shelly Duvall. Shelly Duvall. The in order to get the reactions that he wanted, he would literally torture her on mm-hmm. set, whether it be locking her in a room or, um, making her, uh, sit outside or, or, uh, making uh, telling, uh, telling Jack to, uh, uh, do things that weren't in the script just to scare her intentionally. Uh, <laughs> there was an interview I saw afterwards where I think it was like 20 years later. She said, I was so terrified on that set. I didn't want to <laughs> act for six months after. Wow. wow. <laughs> uh,
1: the Blair witch project was $60,000 budget. Sixty thousand. Wow. And how yeah. much did it end up making? Two hundred and forty-eight million dollars. Wow. Yeah. And That's uh, it's not the cheapest uh, successful horror. F- I think uh, Paranormal Activity was uh, was only twenty-six thousand dollars. So uh, oh. there's there's others other examples, but Blair Witch definitely did start the found footage movement, which is you know. I don't, did you see that in the theaters?
3: Uh, Blair Witch Project. Yeah. Uh, no, no, I didn't. I, I don't know. I remember I watched it at a sleepover when I was 13.
1: Uh, it made me <laughs> uh, dizzy. I, I couldn't. It was hard to watch in a theater because of the camera movement. But
3: Oh, uh, I'm sure. And the surround sound of it, because it was probably sound was cutting in and out. And it was very, a lot of hyperventilating and heavy yeah. breathing. And <laughs> yeah. I, could t- I could get anybody tense. <laughs>
1: yeah. All right. Good. Great list and great, uh, great uh, commentary, Bruce. Thank you. Um, uh, Derek or Chris, you want to jump in there?
3: Yeah,
4: I can go. Um, okay. Yeah, so unfortunately, I don't watch a lot of horror movies. Yeah, so.
1: this, this blows my mind that you guys don't. It just blows me away.
4: I'm too much of a wimp. i am be completely honest. I'm too much of a wimp. Like, I just, <laughs> like, a lot of people ask me, like, why do you like spicy food, right? And <laughs> I say, oh, I really like the kick. I like the added, like, kick, or I don't know. Apparently, I guess the pain of spicy food is enticing to me. Right? Derek loves the burn. Yeah, I love, the <laughs> <laughs> but for some reason I can't feel the same way about horror movies. Uh, uh, I guess horror movies are what spicy food is to most people.
1: Okay, you know? okay, that's an interesting but, analogy. Um, I like it. Yeah,
4: um, but yeah, unfortunately, I don't watch a lot of horror movies, so I kind of expanded it to
1: like Halloween. That's fine. Yeah, that I said that's okay. I think that's fine. Yeah,
4: so um, I'll start with the actual horror movies that I have seen because I've seen like a couple just because everybody says they're great mm-hmm. you know, um, i really like i really liked it too i thought that what bruce said about it being kind of like stand by me uh-huh. uh really spot on i love the whole entire like i don't know i'm starting to realize i really like movies that have um like childhood uh settings
1: uh-huh
4: trying to, i like an old man like reminiscing about my childhood or whether <laughs> i just like
1: I was going to say, you guys are both over the hill at the, young, at the, at the ages of mid-20s or whatever. So
3: Yeah. We're old children.
1: Well, you know, I kind of
4: want to watch the movies that are supposed to be based on our age soon. I haven't watched them yet.
1: Yeah. Okay. Confused, uh, well, that's because the movies that are based on your age, they're, there were that was five years ago. That's true. Nowadays, everybody wants uh, everybody wants like high school films. Yeah, right? They need, well, they want the 80s and then and apparently the 90s or something. So. Yeah. um But go ahead. Yeah. I'm just kidding you. But go ahead. So it uh at the lit on the list. Um, are you talking about the new one, the newer yeah, one? The new one. The new one. I'll only see the new one. And
4: okay. I saw Get Out. I really okay. like that too. I don't know how much of a uh, of a horror movie it is, it's more than like a suspense suspenseful movie. Yeah, uh, but...
1: There's some horror, I guess, yeah.
4: Yeah, I like horror. that one a lot, too. I thought that it had a great, like... You know, I thought that that... I don't know. I, I hear that horror movies, a lot of it, because I've seen tiny tidbits of horror movies when I was a little kid, and I feel like a lot of them are just horror to be horror. Mm-hmm. But I thought that those two movies, It and Get Out, were, uh, you know, they had something to say with their plots, and they have real stories, mm-hmm. and um, and That's the horror simply just to add to it.
0: Mm-hmm. that's
1: a, a good like point
4: good spicy, yeah. kind of like good spicy food you know <laughs> you don't put in the chili to make the whole entire flavor you put in the chili to add to the flavor
1: okay you know, so. you're going to take this food analogy to to desperate levels so I think
0: why don't
4: we yeah um and then the three other movies are not a uh, horror okay um the first one i gotta say is nightmare before christmas okay <laughs> okay i love that movie um it's one of my favorite movies that i want you get and you know the best part about it is you can watch it before halloween and you'll watch it before christmas
1: uh, that's cool yeah you
4: know it's got it's got variety you know okay. it's got a, like, a dual purpose um, um i also i love animation so the whole entire like claymation or stop motion and um and the nightmare before christmas is stunning
1: and undoubtedly a brilliant film yes yeah.
4: um the next one I gotta say is uh, is Ghostbusters. <laughs>
0: okay, uh, I
4: think mean, that's the <laughs> film. The um, Marshmallow Man or whatever. Michelin. Yeah, the Michelin's here. It Michelin. Ghost? It has ghosts. It can be considered a Halloween movie, right?
1: I, you know, when I when I found out you guys didn't love uh, horror films, I I expanded it to be Halloween films. That's fine. Ghostbusters. It's not a horror film per se, but it is a. A supernatural kind of film, so that's that's good. That's a broad definition. We'll go with it.
3: Yeah. Mark, this could be a this could be a turning point for us. Maybe now that we've been guilted, we'll start watching a lot more horror movies. No, about that.
1: <laughs> I'm sure Chris will tell you he he does watch uh, horror films. I'm sure he'll tell you that they're very uneven for the most part, and it's really rare to see something like it. Um, I mean, you know, I have my favorites, and I'll I'll mention them quickly once we're done. But there's there's not there's not a lot that I really loved. uh, So, Uh, but anyway, go ahead, Eric. Finish up on number whatever your last one was.
4: And then the last one I'll say is another uh, is another claymation or stop motion. I forget if it's it's technically claymation, but another stop motion film. But I really liked Coraline, and I feel like that's actually pretty scary at Mm times, especially for the intended audience. Mm -hmm. um yeah i love Coraline. though i really like uh neil gaiman as a writer so yeah like yeah seeing an adaptation of Coraline that really you know like knocked it out of the park was really nice
1: yeah no it's uh and it's they they're really great uh examples of uh just storytelling with some horror, horror elements so um, okay, that's a good list too. I mean, it's a little light in the pants, but uh, <laughs> because of your your lack of uh, your your lack of spicy food in your movie. But didn't you guys you guys talk, told me about Old Boy, and um, which oh, does I,
3: Old Boy count was uh, Old Boy count as a Old Boys just Old Boys just sad. I don't think that necessarily counts as it horror. Was a
1: thriller? I love
4: thriller.
3: thriller.
1: If that counts. Think, I'll put it in. I think um, Old Boy is a is a is a horror. F- I I mean it's you know it's maybe more slasher film or than it is, uh, but I mean, isn't? Don't you think it had some of that uh, that in there? You watched I've, the Korean version, right? Right. Oh yes. Yeah. No, yeah. no doubt, the Korean
4: version. Um, I don't know if I'll call it a horror film. It was like a thriller. I never, you know, I was scared for the octopus when he ate the octopus lot. <laughs> that
0: was that was crazy.
1: Um. <laughs> Well, maybe Old Boy doesn't quite fit, but I, my point is, is that it's a very intense movie. It's yeah. one of the more, most intense movies I've ever seen. And you typically don't get that intensity unless you're watching horror or, or thrill, you know, I guess horror thrillers or something.
4: Yeah. Like. I mean, I love thrillers. So I can, I can go on and on about thrillers. Well, if we'll I, do
1: thrillers at a, at a later date. I'd also like to do westerns. I find it interesting that you like westerns. So, westerns are great well you're you're going to be facing the master in westerns chris is I, undisputed champion of the planet oh, i'm sure of it oh my god he can quote lines and and movies and and he goes back generations so you're 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 going to get your ass kicked on that <laughs> probably we do yeah, it I, let, I, let the games I, begin exactly <laughs> all right that's a good list uh, a good list eric i'm kidding Thank about you. it being light I, like i said i I'm, I'm fully happy with you guys mentioning anything that has uh, like horror or Halloween elements in it, but let me turn to a master of horror here. Which uh, that's what is that's what she said, right? Um, Chris okay. Stiers, what do you got there, Chris?
2: Well, I didn't put it one through five. That's okay. I found five movies that I really enjoy in the horror genre and that I'd watch over.
0: Okay, I'd go ahead. Watch
2: again. And, uh, the one thing I will tell you about my list, except for one of them, they all had in common was average, ordinary people.
0: Mm, being that's interesting.
2: Into, uh, you know, strange, supernatural, monster things. Uh-huh. So I like that. Uh-huh. Uh, the f- first one I had on my list was Ridley Scott's Alien.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh,
2: uh, I mean, it's not only the setting, they're on that spaceship. There's a limited amount of them. And they're regular people. I mean, they introduce the characters before everything goes crazy. Mm-hmm. It is very tense and exciting. And it's just a good overall movie.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, throw out and, another one.
2: The next one is Neil Marshall's The Descent.
1: Oh, is that in the cave? Yes, that's
2: when the five friends go
1: right. The girls cave
2: exploring. Yes, and this movie—if you have even a touch of claustrophobia in your (laughs) makeup—you cannot watch this movie.
1: I, I had a hard time with. I'm not claustrophobic, but I have this personal fear of being stuck in a in a crevice in a cave. So yeah. Yeah.
3: Was Mark, I
1: thought you and... love crevices. What? <laughs> that's what she said <laughs> okay here we go moving on
2: now and uh stephen king back to stephen king uh right. he has written a lot of best-selling horror novels right but very few of them have become good movies
1: they don't they translate just, do they
2: no they don't but what i mean the boys mentioned um you know, The Shining and It. Mm-hmm. But for me, at the top of the list is Cronenberg's The Dead Zone.
0: Oh, excellent film, yeah.
2: Oh, uh, And Christopher Walken. I mean, and what happens to him and what occurs is just riveting.
1: Um, I mean, do you, you really consider it a horror film? Is it because of the... Yes. Yeah, okay.
2: Yes, because of what's happening to him. Plus, there's the serial killer segment.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah. In the
2: middle of it. And uh, yes. And uh, face it, you just throw Christopher Walken in a movie, and even if it's a comedy, it's part horror movie.
0: Oh, he, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. And the last, or you have two more left. Oh, Go ahead.
2: Yes. Uh, the one that doesn't involve regular average people, though, is Richard Donner's uh, The Omen. Oh, my Peck, God, that was Lee, such a good cool
0: movie. Uh oh. <laughs>
2: Oh, and as that mystery unfolds, oh. and you find out what—oh, god! And that one sequence with Peck and David Warner in the graveyard—oh
1: my god! With the Rottweilers, holy crap!
2: Oh, and plus when they open the grave <laughs> and they see what's inside—oh, uh,
1: oh, I know. All of these moments are are making giving me goosebumps. Those are amazing. Right? Yeah, yeah.
2: Those, and <laughs> the last one on my list. Okay. Uh a secret fun movie of mine is Abbott and Meet Frankenstein, but uh <laughs> the last movie I put on the list was Tremors.
1: Oh yeah. That's I, a fun movie. I
2: it's fun. It has its uh tense moments, but overall you're just it's just flat out fun. Yeah. And uh Kevin Bacon and uh Fred Ward, I mean they're great heroes.
0: Right, right.
2: Yeah, oh, because, because basically they're scared most of the time. I mean, I think I could have easily found five oh. in the 30s horror movies or especially the 50s sci fi
0: mm-hmm.
2: movie, sci fi horror movies or, right, right. you know, the late 60s, early 70s when, you know, the studios were falling apart and anything went. And that's why we had to come up with a ratings board.
0: Well, I mean, some of those movies.
1: Pardon? Wasn't that the 30s?
2: No, no. Back in in the late 60s is when they finally, the big studios were crashing and burning. Oh, you're talking
1: about the MPA. uh, Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry.
2: Yeah. When they came about, and that's because, you know, the brakes were off.
0: Right. I mean,
2: let's do Texas Chainsaw Massacre and... You know the hills have eyes, and Nightmare on Elm Street, and do this stuff, and just scare people to death. I mean, right. you could have, I could have easily found five in that group.
1: Yeah, you know what's interesting about your list is there's no, there's really no overlap except for it um, on uh, Derek and Bruce's. And I'm, I have, I'm going to throw five out there that are my okay. favorites. I'm not going to comment on them because we're running out of time. But for okay. me, uh, the thing. Uh, the Kurt Russell thing was a great horse. Oh film. yes. Yeah. Ha- Halloween. I still think Halloween, the original yeah. Halloween with Jamie Lee Curtis is still one of the, one of the scariest thing. I mean, just, it started the genre for me. It was, it still is one of the best slasher films I've ever seen. Um, yes. Psycho. Um, oh, okay. Who, yes. Yeah. Ringo, which is, became the American version, of the ring. Uh, yep. when that girl comes out of the television, holy shit, that's just frightening. Yeah, and that was scary. the number one film that still I'm, I'm of a certain age and it still scares. I refuse to watch this movie is the exorcist. It just, it just makes me, it makes me weak. You know how, uh, uh, I, I it would be like me avoiding spicy food pl- period because it <laughs> <laughs> makes me, want to, it, it gives me so much anxiety. I want to throw up. It, uh, it's, <laughs> Such a scary film. So, well, those are. Well, great. I will
2: throw. I'll throw in this tidbit. My younger brother, <laughs> he was the wild man in the family.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, anything went. After he saw The Exorcist, my crazy wild ass brother, he went to church.
1: He <laughs> <It> became a priest. <laughs> became a priest, right?
2: <laughs> he, fr- yes, he. It freaked him out completely. <laughs>
1: Yeah, there's a, there was a re-release of it a couple years ago where they added footage, uh, and I did watch it again after they added footage, and it became it was it convinced me even more never to watch that movie again. It, um, <laughs> she, come, she comes down the staircase backwards with her hands behind her like a spider, and her her head uh-huh. looking forward, and it just mm, my God, yeah. it's just frightening. Ah, uh, well, great, great list, and uh, we'll have to do this with Westerns because I'm sure Bruce, do you watch Westerns at all?
3: Um, not recently, but my mom loves them, so I'm gonna ask her for my list of top fives <laughs> okay. when, when the time comes.
1: All right, well, we'll do did we have something else planned, Chris? I thought we maybe there was something else. I put something uh, I,
3: we've talked about a couple of things, but I
2: can't recall them offhand. all right. well,
1: if we if we t- if we can't think of it, we'll do westerns for our next one. and Derek, okay. Derek can be the superstar, although, I know you'll take him down. So don't worry yeah. about it.
0: <laughs> all right.
1: Well, that was, that was a great list. I want to remind our listeners, um, all three of you, uh, that this is Plot Points Podcast. Uh, we, are, um, we are an independent entity, but also we have deep ties to OC Screenwriters since I started that organization also. Um, you can find us at plotpoints.com. The podcast itself can be find, found on Libsyn which is our host, or iTunes, which is probably more what you know. And I think we're on Google uh, Podcasts now. But um, we're all over the place. Just look for either my name, Mark Sevy, or uh, Plot Points Podcast. And the reason I say my name is because I'm the only one that's been on all 37 or 38 episodes. But, uh, mm-hmm. but we're out there. And also um, – OC Screenwriters does a lot of. Uh, we're we're done for the year, I think, and so is OC Film and Television. But uh, we do events on in in Orange County. Uh, we have guest speakers and networking and giveaway prizes and and all that stuff. And I also teach screenwriting at Orange Coast College, and you can find me. My new classes will start in January 2019. So, and uh, just again to mention it, Derek and and um, Bruce were my mentees. They were my first group of mentees from. Uh, do you want to say the name of the high school?
3: Uh, it was uh, Corona Del Mar High School. We were the uh, the first guinea pigs to <laughs> join to join Mark's uh, laboratory of experiments. Yeah, we yeah. came out just fine.
1: Yeah, you guys, uh, you guys are still my best, uh, my best mentees. I got to say. And Kayla, I'm sorry you're not anymore because you. Uh, You've just disappointed me one too many times. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Maybe that'll get her to come back. To you know, I'm going I'm to see Kayla this weekend. Tell her. Tell her I'm, I said that. I'll, I'll make sure to tell her. I'm gonna sh- I'm shaming <laughs> her publicly on my podcast because uh, she came to class this last semester like twice, and then I never saw her again. So. Oh. But well, at least she tried. No, I'm kidding. I mean, she was studying. She was studying for something or the other. Uh, yeah, she's
4: studying for the. Um, she's studying for the CPA. Yeah.
1: So uh, I, I is,
4: she's, she's too much of a responsible human being that, uh-huh. like, you know, like movies and this frivolous screenwriting. Unfortunately, is too, uh, too frivolous for her. You so. Know? so-
1: so she instead of following your your guys path and just saying eff it to everything and going into film she's Well
4: she's, actually you know Bruce Bruce has this stuff together too
1: I'm yeah, the one that I know you're the one, uh, right. You guys are Corey Haim and Corey Feldman. You guys switch places all the time. I can't keep you straight. I can't figure out who's the aberrant one this week. So
3: we'll, we'll, we're due for a switch soon enough. Don't worry. We'll let you know what happens.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. On that note. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what are we, are we working on anything guys or is anybody working on anything they want to talk about? Good. Enough. Um, I've been working, <laughs> you've been working have you has anybody resurrected any film projects or or even thinking about it Do you think are you guys working on think are you are you working on working on it
4: i've i've been thinking of uh filming some like really really easy shorts i'm talking about like one location i can probably act it or one of my friends can probably act it just like i'm thinking about filming really really easy shorts that i can make in like less than a weekend
0: mm.
4: um just for practice mm hmm it came from the, it, there's a HBO, like Asian Pacific, uh Asian Pacific, like competition that uh-huh. they wanted like a short. And really? I thought like, well, it'd be a really easy short to do. And I don't I have enough time to do it, unfortunately, but like one of that, it was a, uh, it was a short about modern technology and Asian American culture. Hmm. And I thought, you know, it will be really easy that I can probably do in one room and not have to do anything else. like a a person my age i guess or in high school or in college like trying to talk to their grandma in different languages you know like because he doesn't speak the same language uh-huh you think google translate and then all the <laughs> and then using all the shenanigans you know that happens after that oh that's fun yeah but unfortunately i'd have to actually know the language at least a little bit to be able to uh cause misunderstandings you well, know uh, so um yeah that's an <laughs> obstacle for that for that script but yeah, I mean like I've seen a lot of shorts. Like for example, there's one called Thunder Road that uh-huh. ha- is absolutely amazing. It's like 12 minute one take and it's just one scene.
0: Hmm.
4: You know, so I feel like I want to do something like that because my last short had like had like five scenes and two of them were intercut with each other, the other ones were sequential.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: And it just was a lot to do in uh 20 in like <laughs> or 20 minutes. And so um, and so I, I really want to make just a one like a one uh, scene that like keeps its focus the whole entire time will be a challenge to make it interesting for
1: mm-hmm.
4: ten okay. to 15 minutes.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, Chris, are you working on anything? I'm uh, uh, um, th- working on my novel. Yeah, the new plugging one?
2: away, doing research.
1: Okay. the 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 one you just signed contracts for.
2: No, no, no. That the contract. Ones are done, except for the editing part.
1: No, what, did, what um, didn't you just sign a contract for a new one? Yes. that's yes, the one. It's, I'm
2: talking uh, about. Oh, yeah. I haven't done the editing with them yet, but I just signed the contracts, and mm-hmm. it's um, three in one novel. Uh, what we would what would be called novellas, and mm-hmm. they're all medieval romance adventures. Right. I want do to you, do something different.
1: Um, okay. And the, so what are you working on though now? I mean, what did you say you were working on?
2: I'm working on the final part of my Paladin's Journey trilogy.
1: Mm, okay. I'm doing research. And what's available on Amazon and um, um, Barnes & uh, Noble? Well,
2: uh, my, my Paladin's Journey, Rebel Nation, uh the dark star, legend and, star beast uh, star beast just came out about a week ago
0: mm-hmm. okay
2: and right now it's just an e-book but the publisher said shortly it will be available in paper
0: too oh okay
1: great um well i expect my copy with uh my signed copy so um yeah <laughs> I bought I bought the the uh ebook, even though I've read the script and I you know, I could ask uh-huh. you for a copy of it. I supported you. I went in there and bought and actually yeah. purchased the, the book. Well thank you. Yeah, you know, you're welcome. I mean you're 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 a world class uh well, not only a world class person, but a world class writer. So I'm I'm happy. I like your work a lot. I mean you have a very um accessible style when it comes to prose. Um it just well, thank very- you. Yeah, no, you you while well, you've worked your ass off on it. So, all right, well, uh, we are. Let's see, let's see where we're at in the in the podcasting uh, universe. We're about an hour in, which means we're probably about fifty minutes. So we we probably just have time to say goodbye to Derek and and Bruce, or or at least Bruce. It's about ten to eleven. Bruce,
3: I, I do have to I do have to head out. It's it's been fun, guys.
1: Okay, well, thank you for your time, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Uh, start watching some Westerns, dude. <laughs> you know,
3: you're going to be we Will do. I. I'll yeah. I build up my acumen for sure.
1: You're going to be the Derek Nguyen of horror movies, if you or of westerns. If you don't, uh,
3: you don't. Uh, I I can't. That I, I can't. I can't let that one happen. <laughs> I thought you said I had a good. I had a good uh, choices. You did. You
4: did,
1: Derek. <laughs> you Ghostbusters and a horror movie discussion? Come on, man! That's great. That is brilliant. That's genius. Uh, after he hangs up, I'll tell you what I really feel about it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, bye, bye, guys. All right, Bruce, take care. See, hey, Bruce. Yeah, I'll get going. Bye, You're going to go. Okay, Derek. Yeah. Are you still tutoring? Wait, what? Are you still tutoring? Yeah, I'm still tutoring. <laughs> okay, man. Well, make sure you pass off off, off that wonderful wisdom to uh, whoever you're working with. And uh, thanks for being on the podcast. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Man. Take care. Okay. So Chris, it's uh, Derek. Yes. Yeah. So it's just me and you. Uh, did, you, had a okay. question, you had a couple questions that. Um,
2: yes. Uh, yeah. Put on your uh, teaching hat. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Go ahead. And for screenwriting, um, when you're writing your screenplay, do you
1: include camera directions? No. Period. No. End of story. Never? Never. Well, there are a couple, like you can say close on or um, angle yeah. on or subjective point of view but those are more for those are more uh for telling the story as opposed to trying like you you don't want to do board, birds eye view or two shot or dolly on or anything like that. So uh, m- m- my feeling is and this is this is my mantra is as soon as you uh-huh. start putting in camera directions you're taking the person out of the story because then they're reading camera directions and they're realizing gee I'm not reading a story I'm uh-huh. reading a script. So okay. I'm very, very conservative. Uh, as you yeah. probably know, I think you and I have, have talked about this uh, a number of times. But for me, it's never it's never a question of should I. I just don't do it. I, I don't do we see, we hear. Um, I never do anything that takes the reader out of the story.
2: I've heard more than once that, hey, you get real excited because your screenplay got accepted either by an agency or a production company, mm-hmm. and they want to read it. Mm-hmm. The first reader is usually the underpaid, overworked (laughs) uh, kid who's doing, you know, who's trying to get through college. And he's got three dozen screenplays to Mm -hmm. go through in a weekend. Mm -hmm. What should you do to make that first page stand out? Or what should you not do to have that reader take a look at the first page and throw it in the no pile? Hmm.
1: That's a really good question. I I don't know that I can answer it with specifics, but I can answer it in generalities. Um, Uh And you're right. I mean, I I used to be a reader. And so what would happen is I would take home 10 scripts a week to read and do coverage on. And Uh um, it didn't take much to irritate me. So, uh, you know, you get tired of seeing the same. You'd be surprised at how much of the same stuff is out there. Um, because people just don't, they don't innovate, they imitate. Uh, yeah. but in general, you can never assume in my opinion that whatever happens on page five is going to change, uh, the story. In other words, right. if you don't from the very beginning, uh, engage your audience and I'm not talking about necessarily blood or violence or sex, I'm just talking yeah. about good it, to me. It's like, you know, Chris, I don't know if you've gone through this, but it's been years uh, since I've been able to be uncritical about novels and so I'll read the first page of a novel. And most of the time I'm putting it down. Um, just because, you know, I've, I've read so much I've changed as a reader, uh, because I've changed as a writer. So my, if you just go to a bookstore, if they exist anymore or go to go on Amazon and look on the read, read inside or look inside and read the first page of the novels that you think are successful. They're pretty much right. going to engage you at a really interesting level. You're going to be – I think you've got to create questions in the audience's mind that compel them to want to cha- keep turning the pages. So, yes. So in general, just like in novels, just like on television, I mean there's a reason that television uh, kind of starts with a grabber scene or an opening gambit or something. It's because right. they want you to stick around uh, in order to watch the rest of the series or the rest of the show or whatever very few films or very few TV shows have the ability uh, to meander in the beginning and then maintain that successful resolution. And readers are no different. Readers will, a reader will go through a script, but once you piss them off, you're never, it's really going to be really hard to get them back. So, um, so for me, it's just a matter of engagement, Um, keeping, keeping the reader engaged at, at a high level, uh, depending on, Either the writing or the concept or a, a, a mystery or blood or sex or violence or something, something that makes people stick around. So okay. that's a great question. Do you have another one or are we done?
2: Well, I, I got one more for uh, you. Okay. I've always been told, you know, you should write what you know.
0: Oh, yeah. Is right. that
2: is, is, is I mean, I, I don't want to write about 2018 Southern California. Yeah. Um so how true is that
1: well i think you probably know the answer to this already but i have a pat answer a standard answer for this you write what you know emotionally um okay so okay. if you're even if you're writing a uh, you're we're obviously male if we're writing female characters um we yeah. don't have that experience but we can understand emotionally what fear is what what pain is what joy is okay. And so uh I mean there's no way a science fiction writer uh knows what it's like to be trapped in a spacesuit in outer yeah. space. Nobody's nobody's done that yet. Well, I mean probably some Russians have been left up there, but uh yeah. but yeah, you just write the emotional your emotional truth. I think that's when when people say write what you know, I think they mean what you know as a person, what you know as a human being. Um
2: okay not necessarily your own personal history.
1: No, but the other thing is I, I love doing research. I love uh, jumping yeah. into a project and and uh, doing the research. And once I think you do the research, like this Revolutionary War script I've been working on for a while, um, there's no way I could know what it was like in at Valley Forge, but there are really compelling narratives about that. And I certainly yeah. understand. I, can't, I don't understand what frostbite is, but I can certainly understand what it's like to be cold beyond measure or be hungry, yeah. uh, or thirsty. I mean, they were, they were eating their shoes, uh, at Valley Forge, uh, that level of desperation, I have to call, be yeah. able to call that up in a script. So, um, okay. so yeah, so you don't okay. write, you don't write what you know, you're not an astronaut. You're not a, uh, you're not a, you are not a saddle on a horse in the 1800s, but you can certainly understand, uh, some of what that must be like. So,
0: yeah. Okay.
1: Okay. Ah! All right. Okay. Well, I think, I think that's good. Thank you so much for those questions. I appreciate them. And uh, hopefully our audience will also. Uh, we are Plot Points Podcast. I, we just said goodbye to Derek uh, Nguyen and Bruce Kazra, who are, uh, were uh, great co-hosts for this episode. And as always, my friend Chris Styers. Chris, it was uh, a joy to talk to you and, and, and to get your opinions on especially horror films, which I know you love. So, uh, thank you. We will, we will be here in a cup, back in a couple of weeks. Uh, happy Halloween to everyone. And, uh, as always, be inspired. Do good work.